Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed in the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. The horses are at the gate. Welcome to Winning Ponies with Ed Meyer. With the weekend coming up, this is the spot to be for news, handicapping, and spotlights featuring the winners behind horse racing today. Now, here's your host, Ed Meyer. And good evening and welcome to Winning Ponies. I'm Ed Meyer. Thank you for tuning in each and every Thursday, 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 Pacific, as we talk about the sport of kings. My man, the Motor City Madman. Damon, Detroit Destroyer, had to throw in Damon, it's the triple D there, man. But he is the Motor City man, man, Dion's always got my back. He's always trying to make me look good, and that is a tough task. But anything good comes out of the hands of Dion. Thanks, my man, I appreciate everything. Winning Pony's been rolling with the heat this summer. The exotic number continues to grow. It is 6.1, 6.1 million and growing. You get newsletters, blogs, stories, the best of some free selections. Now, you know, that's kind of sharp. Free selections. Kind of get you a little stimulated there to kind of turn it up a few notches. It's your one-stop shop, and we need to keep you prepared and take your game to the next level. It's easy, economical, and best of all, used by new players and hardcore cappers, all the same. Go ahead, give us a look-see. I think you'll be happy with what you see with www.winningponies.com. I think you're going to like that. 6.1 million in exotic predictions. That is plain out smoking. We have a whole lot going on tonight. It's always a lot of fun when it's like that. I, I mean, that is when it's at its best. My man, Dion, keeps me straight and keeps the people coming. Tonight, we're going to talk about maybe, maybe a real quick recap of last week. Going to throw in some news, some industry doings there. In our second segment here on Winning Ponies, we are pleased and honored to have on as our special guest director of media relations of the NTRA. Now, this is a big shooter, Mr. Eric Wing. Mr. Eric Wing will be joining us. Looking forward to that. Hope you are as well. News, final furlong handicapping, my man Pistol Pete. Now, he said he's going to call in. All that he had to tell me was, Eddie boy, it looks awfully chalky these next few days. Chalk player's paradise. That's what he said now. He may retract. He may even find a price for us. But the pistol, he's working hard, and I believe he's playing Santa Rosa. I don't have a crystal ball in front of me, but if there's a fair circuit out there, Pete is looking for value. Pistol Pete going to give us a shout. Always looking forward to that. Always write down his plays and pin. Mine, you can put down in a good pencil, though. And then he's going to give us a jingle. And then after that, show's over. And then it just flies by. As I always say, time always flies by. You know, there were so many races last week at the Claiming Crown and at Canterbury. It's hard to believe it was the 12th annual Claiming Crown at Canterbury. It was just incredible. And, and I would go on forever in a day. But I'm just going to kind of skip over those. You can always go back to Equibase.com and take a look at that. 
But a couple of the grade ones here. Ed the Yeti Reed, a mile and an eighth on a turf, 300,000. The usual QT, Victor Espinosa wins by two. Paying 480 to win. That, that's some pretty good cabbage there. The Ellis Park turf, mile and 16th on the turf. Kiss mine, John Kenton Court in the Irons. And then a Mammoth the Lady Secret winner, Rachel Alexandra. Three length winner there. This gal just came back impressively. Stock led clear, 220 to win for Steve Asmussen. Steve, you're getting grayer than I am, brother. But man, I'll tell you what, with all the weight that's upon your shoulders, no explanation needed. The Desert Vixen and Mammoth, Mom 16th on the turf, winners of Six Island time. Carlos Marquez. Then the Betfair TVG Coaching Club America, Grade 1. The 7, Devil May Care, Johnny Velasquez, the filly that ran in the Kentucky Derby. Wins by four lengths, poised, four wide, one ready, 340 to win for Todd Pletcher. Then the Grade 2, Nijinsky Stakes, Nijinsky Stakes at Woodbine. Winner is the 4, Windward Island, Chantel Sutherland, wins by Three and a half lengths rallied late in the drive. Sixteen thirty to win. Now that's nickel breakage. Mark Frostag. So there's a quick rundown of last week from the DRF, the Daily Racing Forum. Claiming crown, handle plunges. On track was up. The weather was beautiful. It's in the 80s. The rest of the United States, 90s, 95, ugly. Just plain out ugly. The turnout was 11,473, typical for claiming crown. Very nice, 11th race. But listen to this. They're down 24%. Canterbury President Rando Simpson said he was disappointed. The eventful racing partly offset it with sentiment. Oh, my goodness. Lay Peru was in from Saratoga for Mike Maker. Ken Ramsey, he had his two teenage grandsons. I thought that was really cool. They reveled in the day as they swept both big stakes. Winning is winning, Ramsey said. It's fun wherever you are. This guy loves to win. So on-track handle is up. Or excuse me, on-track attendance is up. Handle is down. Was it more of an event or a first-class event that the public just wanted to come out and see and wasn't a wagering public? Or don't we do enough to actually educate the people enough? That's something we need to, to ponder on. Are we doing enough? We got the people there. But we didn't know what to do with them. It was a great day. A lot of fun. My man Pete called it his Breeders' Cup. Trainer profile from the Daily Racing Farm, Rudy Rodriguez. During his 18 years in the saddle, Rudy Rodriguez rode 221 winners. Okay, he wasn't paying the bills. At that pace, he established his trainer's license. He wanted to get it. Rodriguez, 37, longtime exercise and assistant for Dick Dutrow, would often wind up riding the Barnes precipitous drop-downs. He was riding a horse with problems, mental problems, he said. His biggest win was in the saddle with Frost Giant at 40-1 to 1 in the 2008 Suburban. So far, his results have been nothing short of astounding. He had one today at Saratoga. Very nice, 8-5 to five out of the 10-hole. Wins by a mile. With a boost from Mike Dubb, one of Dutro's main clients, leading owner of Belmont, R-Rod, I like that name, R-Rod, hit the ground running with 8 of 11 at Aqueduct Spring Meet, contributing mightily to the rookie trainer's otherworldly $9.92 return on investment was a GM Breeze, 44.80, who had finished dead last in a combined 104 links in her first three starts of the year, but went wire to wire in her first start for the erstwhile jockey, 
He put the blinkers on her. He said, I guess you really like that, explained. At press time, first time, our rod was a 56% winning angle. 15 for 27 with an ROI, return on investment of $5.47. No rules, just Rudy. Rudy Rodriguez. If you're not caught on to him, catch on to him now because you're not going to be able to get him at a price anytime soon down the road here. Why are tracks lukewarm about instant racing? That's a good question. This is from the Kentucky.com Lexington Herald Leader, their dot-com section. Biggest fear is a new gambling option won't be lucrative enough. With an un- uncomplicated vote this week, Kentucky has finally given tracks the ability to put some form of electronic gaming most tracks and horsemen, while appreciative of the move by regulators, seem lukewarm about the prospect. Why? Because they don't think it's going to make a lot of money and be very popular with Kentucky gamblers. And there are still legal hurdles and expenses to be considered. Okay, now you're probably saying, what is instant racing? This is how it works. The game draws on a database of 10,000 previously run races. Although each machine is randomly drawing from a pool from about 720 races at one time. Each race has 10 horses, and some information about the horse's past performances will be shown beforehand in four or five pie charts. But bettors won't know the names of the horses of the racetrack when they bet. Okay, we're following right along. Some traditional odds are irrelevant. They are not shown, but the other data is used exactly as it was the day of the live race. Betters pick the first three finishers in order. The bets are pooled, as in live parimutuel wagering, into different types of potential wins, such as trifectas or exactas. So far, sounding good. I'm following along with it. Now, if I can follow it, I know you can as well. Payouts are determined by the amount of money in each pool when the race starts on a player's screen. Each machine offers betting on a separate randomly selected race, but the payout pool is collective, so the money builds up until a winner hits. Games can take a few seconds to more than a minute to play, depending on how much of a race a player wants to watch. Sounds easy. Instant racing has made millions for Oakland Park and Arkansas horse racing, but as far from certain as to be a lucrative in Kentucky, which faces can big competition. Big-time competition from Indiana and soon Ohio. Looks like we have Mr. Wing online. We're going to jump to him. He's our special guest of the week from the NTRA. I think you're going to want to stay tuned and hear what he's got to say. Definitely not me. I think you've just about heard enough of me, as my mom would say. Now, here's a little something that kind of caught my eye here. Race with Rachel Alexander and Zenyatta may happen next month at Saratoga's personal Ensign stakes. By Jerry Bosser, Daily News sports writer. Uh, Saratoga Springs, the Rachels and Yada matchup could finally take place on August 29th. Is it going to happen, do you think? In the personal ensign stakes at Saratoga. Money, history, and time for heroes, boys and girls. Never have we ever needed some heroes. We've spoken with Zenyatta's connections regarding races at Saratoga and Belmont, said New York Racing Association President and CEO Charles Hayward who noted that the personal ensign will remain at the mile and a quarter distance. Now get this, this kind of caught my eye really big, because it's money. The purse is currently $400,000, but that could increase. 
Naira increased the purse of last year's Woodward from five hundred to seven hundred fifty thousand dollars to get Rachel to race at Saratoga. Kind of digging it now. I think you are too. It's worth the price. Where in time can you remember that we've had two females take the stage like this that have dominated? I think that it's well worth the purse increase here. But Hayward added, it's too early to speculate on the purse. Your daggone stride, it might even be higher. With concerns over the synthetic service at Del Mar, Zenyatta Connections still haven't made up their mind where the big mare will start next. While Rachel indicated there's a good chance she'll start at the spa. So once again, here we are. We're in wait mode, and boy, are we riveted. August 29th, don't make any uh, vacation plans. Don't go fishing. Don't go anywhere. It is time to head out for a break, and when we return, we're going to have on as our special guest of the week, Mr. Eric Wing of the NTRA. But you're only going to hear from Mr. Wing if you stay tuned and get the big scoop here on Winning Ponies. And I buy the bar, double round the crown, and everybody's getting down in this town. Your internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. And they're off. What? Can't make it to the track? You can still get all the action with winningponies.com, the home of Horse Stradamus, handicapper extraordinaire with the most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks. Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry. Let winningponies.com make some money for you. Do you need directions to solid financial future? If so, the Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman will provide you with a roadmap to making smart money decisions in every area of your personal finances. Join Jordan every Monday at 12 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, 3 p.m. Eastern, for the Money Answer Show on the Voice America Business Channel. Learn how and where to get the best deals on mortgages, cars, and insurance. Find out the best ways to save for college and retirement. Get out of debt, improve your credit rating, and save on your taxes. The Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman will provide you with great tips on investment opportunities in real estate, stocks, annuities, and other investment vehicles. That's the Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman on the Voice America Business Channel every Monday at 12 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. Think of the world 50 years ago. Now think of this same world and how it'll be 50 years from now. Did you know that if the world's population continues to grow at its current rate, our children and grandchildren will only have 25% of the resources per capita that our parents and grandparents had? We must preserve the foundation of a quality standard of living. That foundation starts with Go Green Radio. Join your host, Jill Buck, for Go Green Radio every Friday at noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific on Voice America. Entrepreneurial Insights is your weekly excursion into the world of business ownership. Presented by Sunbelt Business Brokers, the leading business brokerage and intermediary firm in the world, Entrepreneurial Insights will examine critical issues that impact both existing and prospective business owners. If you own or want to own a small business, listen for Entrepreneurial Insights with John Davies, Pino Boccianello, and Matt Ottaway. Fridays at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. It's a fly ball deep right field. Bob goes O'Neill. He's at the 
shot. Got it! With 2.8 seconds left. the left. I don't care where they put him. This one is out of here. From high school to the pros, we, we cover everything. Let your voice be heard. Voice America Sports. tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, Ed Meyer. Got a tip for us? Need a tip from us? If you want to talk with Ed or his guests, phone lines are now open toll-free at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or you can send an email to ed at winningponies.com. Now back to Winning Ponies with Ed Meyer. And welcome back once again to Winning Ponies. And thank you for taking your time to be with us each and every week as we talk about the sport of kings. This is our second segment in each and every week. We have on a major player in the world of thoroughbred racing. This week, no different. Winning Ponies is honored and pleased to have on Director of Media Relations for the NTRA, Mr. Eric Wing. Eric, are you there? I'm here, Ed. How are you tonight? I'm very well. And thank you so much for taking your time out of your busy schedule and, uh, May I ask, we we spoke offline just briefly. Did did you get your uh, estimate from the uh, fisherman? <laughs> it was cheaper than I expected, so I'm in a very good mood. <laughs> All right. So uh, so you don't have to uh, go to work on some pick fours tomorrow then? No, I'm going to, when we're done, Ed, uh, I'm gonna, I've got the uh, PPs printed out already for the Sunday 14 race card at Monmouth, and that's, a, that's a, the length of a card that you really need more than a couple hours to to sink your teeth into so i'm gonna dive into that later tonight and uh yeah maybe i'll invest in the 50 cent pick five a little heavier now that i know it won't cost as much to have this tree next to my house taken down <laughs> well you're going to be taking down trees that at the mammoth card of 14 and you know I, I do like the wagering up there it's been an incredible summer it's been a a wonderful a wonderful delight a great experiment but we're going to grab into all that later Eric, this is your first time joining us as a guest on our show, and once again, thank you. Can you tell our listeners a little bit about yourself and how you came to find yourself in the world of racing? Yeah, it was for me, Ed, it was a little like running away and joining the circus. Um, <laughs> I was a big horse, I, I be, became a big horse racing fan at about age 14. Um, and my parents weren't involved whatsoever in the sport. They, I didn't, I didn't, uh, I wasn't taken to the track by a degenerate uncle or anything like that. Um, but I, I, we would get the, the newspaper delivered to the house every morning, and like most 14-year-old boys, I pulled out the sports section and threw the rest of it aside. And there was this kid who was just a little bit older than I was, uh, winning three, four races a day at Aqueduct. And I thought it was incredible that somebody close to my age could be competing, let alone succeeding in professional sports. So I started cutting out the entries and putting them on my nightstand, and then the next morning get the paper, see if, see how he did. And just to make a long story short, that was Steve Cawthon back in 1976. And so to this day, he's the only person in the sport who I ever get a little um, starstruck by when I meet because just by doing his thing at Aqueduct, it certainly changed the future direction of my life. And, and in fact, I can see how uh, I've been blessed. I live in uh, northern Kentucky. I live uh, pretty close to Steve, and I've known him for years. I, I had the, uh, the opportunity to work with him at Turfway Park. 
uh, for a number of years. Great guy, and it, you're right, it is hard to believe someone at his young age when uh, you still refer to him as the kid when he's 75. <laughs> you know, how incredibly he did and how the bug uh, kind of caught you there. So it sounds to me like you, you took a, a little bit of a sideline path and you had to take a, a little more of the thinking man's uh, approach uh, versus, as you said, it's an uncle, a dad, a grandfather that usually gets us in. But thank goodness you are here in racing and you're part of the NTRA an organization created, I refer to it, in, and you can slap me around if you like, a Big Brother for the uh, Sport of Kings. Uh, can you paint us a picture of, uh, of, of the NTRA, the goals and the directions of this big machine? Well, they've, they've evolved over the years, Ed, and I wasn't there at the very beginning, which was 1998, but I was there shortly thereafter. I started in 1999, and I think what people uh, pictured the NTRA as back then is different than what it is today. Um, it, it, a lot of people, I think, thought the NTRA was going to be like the NBA, you know, a league office. They're going to settle all these disputes, and everybody, every racetrack is going to bow to the power and authority of the NTRA. And it was never like that, nor was it really even intended to be. I mean, I think because our first head, Tim Smith, had the title commissioner, people thought again, oh, you know, Bud Selig or... Or uh, you know Jeff uh, Goodell, Roger Goodell. Um, it's it's by and large always been a trade association in business to kind of help its members prosper. Um, when we started out, there was it was heavy on the advertising side. I mean, most people remember the Lori Petty ads, which were controversial, and and with the benefit of hindsight, people think, gosh, those were good. Wish <laughs> we had those back now, even though at the time a lot of a lot of the older timers in the industry thought they were a little too edgy, I guess. Um, and then, uh, oh, you know, the one economic, uh, one financial model after another kind of morphed into something else, and it, it became more apparent that Tracks wanted to do its own advertising. We still do so, a lot of national promotions, but we've, we've gotten away from the advertising as our as the main uh, direction for our resources and and really boosted in other areas. Um, the Washington, D.C. presence, which was close to non-existent when we started, is now a major part of what we do. And things that you and I like, take for granted, like being able to bet simulcasts, uh -huh. that's something that has really come under a lot of attack over the last five to six years by the Department of Justice. And it's been very important that we've had very good representation in Washington just in order to, for the industry to be able to continue doing things like simulcast races across state lines that you and I take for granted when we go to the track. And it goes on and on. We're working on having withholding um, seriously reduced so that when you're fortunate enough to cash a big try or super or pick four, that um, the government won't take 25% off the top. And this is a situation where everybody loses because you have less money in your pocket and the track wants you to have that money in your pocket so you'll reinvest it. Yet when Uncle Sam, and, and even this is probably money you'll get back at the end of the year in taxes anyway, but by taking that money out of circulation, everybody in our industry loses. So this is something, another thing that we believe very strongly in. And, and, 
another thing we believe real strongly in, and it's been one of the most popular things we've ever done, is um, the National Handicapping Championship, which started out in 1999 as uh, some scribblings on the back of a cocktail napkin and has become kind of really the the goal for so many horse players, if not to win the NHC, which of course is wonderful, but just to get out to Vegas and, and be one of those 280 handicappers who get a free trip out to Las Vegas and get to compete against the very best of the year. I, I have been a big believer in the NTRA's workings and, and where they've, uh, the direction that was headed from day one, everything evolves, every business model evolves. And if you didn't like Go Baby Go, I, I think, as you said, a little bit edgy, uh, even at our little racetrack, John Englehart and myself, we work together now, John Engelhardt, the seven degrees of John Engelhardt, I like to call it, because <laughs> he, he comes back and you and he are, are, uh, are intertwined in this, uh, in this business uh, together. And, uh, and I believe you actually uh, were, were instrumental in his post for the Turf Publicist. Yeah, well, he, he, I was his predecessor as, as uh, TPA president, and uh, John was a terrific vice president during my, uh, I guess you'd call it administration, although that <laughs> sounds like funny that. to say. Um, John was an invaluable vice president during that time, and, and then uh, when uh, my two-year term expired, the, uh, the membership uh, took the very wise step of, of having John succeed me, and I think the TPA has benefited from John's expertise and, as you well know, Ed, his enthusiasm. I, I agree. The, the handing of the baton from uh, from one very talented individual to another is always is always a a winner. It was it was seamless and uh, and it, John is a very creative and enthusiastic person, as you alluded to, and and I enjoy working with him a great deal. Even though it is a small little track of uh, of uh, River Downs, and I've also worked at Turfway Park. I've had the option of Yin and Yang. I've seen. Uh, bigger and smaller, but uh, still enjoy it and, and uh, enjoy working with John greatly. I want to ask you real quickly about the tracks that have opted out and uh, about benefits and programs. Is there going to be anything on the horizon? Once upon a time, I believe it was, uh, for lack of it, the co-op program. Will mm -hmm. anything like that ever be reinstated? Uh, the co-op pro co program, Ed, is something that um, – over time, the tracks were using it less and less collectively, and essentially we do what our board of directors tell us they want, and our board of directors are made up uh, to a great degree by track executives like Bob Elliston or uh, you know, Satish Sanan is also on our board, Charlie Hayward from Naira is on our board. Bobby so, Fly? Yep, yeah, and... Um, and they're going to do. We're going to do what they tell them. Has, they tell us has the most value. And they've told us over the years, you know, focus less on the co-op advertising because um, the way the track seem to view it, so much of advertising is is locally based. And but boy, we need more representation in Washington or in in the political arena. We've been really weak there. So that's. That's how things have kind of evolved over the years, and we've tried to stay flexible. I mean, 
Believe me, at, at the very beginning, the word Internet wasn't even in the NTRA business plan, and now social media has become a big part of what we do and what we try to have our member tracks get involved in. And, uh, you know, things will be very different five years from now, I'm sure, than they are today. Oh, I, I agree with you completely. I, I just remember from my wheelhouse that the, that program was always welcomed because there was a reimbursement program that was uh, not not to get too mired down into that uh, that that angle, but I do agree that things must move on in the direction. And when you alluded to Bob Elliston, uh, my boss at Turfway Park, uh, when I uh, had the pleasure of working there, uh, he's he's very instrumental in uh, in in putting his best foot forward in the government end of things. And, and I think that's, that he's a strong member to have on board as well as the others that you touched upon. The, the summer's here, and, and that you well know because uh, you're out there and you're cutting down trees or, or lack thereof, <laughs> and, and there's a buzz with Monmouth Park, the 50-day, $50 million meet. In your opinion, does racing need to cut back the number of dates to ensure its survival? Um. Ed, racing is always going to need its distribution points, just like any business. I mean, and you, you want racetracks in major population centers as a means for getting the product out to people. Um, if, if it, you know, if we just have uh, one track on each coast and everybody else going to simulcast parlors, people aren't going to. Um, take that first, dip that first toe in the water and check out horse racing. Having said that, I think, you know, the Monmouth experiment, if you will, certainly has been a positive one and one that others might emulate. And part of it is driven by the economy in that there aren't as many horses because the people who have enough money to buy horses have had to cut back. So the, the full crop is down, which in turn is conducive to maybe fewer races or fewer racing days. And Monmouth, A, recognized that, and B, got the horsemen together with the, the track executives and got the state government on board to, to try something daring. Um, and it, it's, it's one of those things I'm sure other tracks have thought of, but for whatever reason couldn't pull the trigger on. Monmouth was able to, and they're reaping the benefits right now. Kudos to Monmouth Park and what they've actually done, the less is more theory. And uh, they, I think they've, uh, they've drawn up a blueprint, and I think many tracks at the end of their season or before the beginning of their season, they need to really take a strong look at the numbers where it actually sat and uh, <laughs> their astronomical purses, and which benefit the horsemen and, and the, the breeding industry, et cetera. It just goes on and on. And in my opinion, I, I believe Monmouth was a, was a great success and continues to be. The year was 2005, and I was telling John Engelhardt the story the other day. There was a fellow. He was dressed in a tuxedo. He looked like Michael Buffer from the, uh, from, the, uh, from the boxing arena and looked like you, ladies and gentlemen. And he was actually out there at the DRF NTRA contest. I, lucky enough, made the grade, and I was there, and I was watching this gentleman in a tuxedo. Now, I believe that was you. That, that was me, and, and uh, I think that's my Facebook picture as well, if I'm not mistaken, still. Um, yeah, that all started. I didn't always wear a tuxedo at that thing, Ed, but the, the couple of years it was on ESPN, they decided they wanted uh, maybe not a Michael Buffer per se, although that's 
<laughs> Actually, some people mistook me for him, or they thought that I was him, which is pretty comical. But um, they, they wanted a little more glitz since it was Vegas and it was on TV. So I, I donned the tuxedo, and uh, people really liked it. It added to the to the sizzle of the event, I guess. Made it, it turned up the electricity just that much more. And so now I bring it out, kind of like Terry Wallace on the Arkansas Derby Day. I bring it. Uh, <laughs> I only wear that thing like once a year, but it gets uh, gets a good wearing through in Vegas, and it's a, it, that's so much fun. Of all the things we do, um, that's the thing when we're done that there's so much satisfaction because win, lose, or draw, I think people feel like they had a good time and they 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 got an adrenaline rush from having the chance to win five hundred thousand dollars, and even if they come in dead last, they had a free trip and and a lot of free food out in Vegas. It's just, it's just something to really shoot for if, if you've got the time and inclination to do so. The DRF NTRA National Handicap Championship will be held on, I believe, the 28th and 29th of January in 2011 at the Red Rock Casino for, I believe, a total purse structure of over a million dollars. Yeah, it's estimated at a million. We have a last chance tournament out there, and how, however many we draw from that kind of decides whether it's just under a million or just over. But yeah, it uh, it's uh, it's it's very lucrative. The first place money is five hundred thousand. Good prizes underneath that, and uh, you know we just felt way back when that we've got Eclipse Awards for best trainer and best horse and best this and best that. Um, we needed a way to recognize uh, the best horse players as well, the people whose whose money fuels the game, and um, and this has been, uh, I think everybody would say it's been a long time coming, but better late than never. Oh, I, I agree completely. Uh, how, it, it would be uh, it would be a, a sore mistake not to recognize the true. Hidden stars of our sport, the actual people that, that fuel the wheels, and uh, they'd be running for blue ribbons if they weren't wagering. <laughs> and all year long, they uh, they they keep the uh, the operations going to many uh, tracks, OTBs, the online uh, platforms, and it is a quality show. I I mean I, I giggle and I get the biggest smile on my face because I was lucky enough to actually make it out there once, and I have spoke to so many of my friends that, that have already qualified this year that are really looking forward to it. And once you, if you were ever lucky enough to qualify to go out there, you almost feel like it's Game 7 of the World Series, it's playoff time of the NFL, it's the big leagues, and is, uh, there's 200-plus players, you're standing in line, you're getting your goods, and you feel like you have finally arrived as a horse player. Yeah, and you know what, Ed, not to get philosophical on you, but when it comes to, forget horse racing, when it comes to any hobby of yours, what other, how many other things can you say that about? Something that generates that much adrenaline, that much passion, um, that gets your juices going so that, man, you know what, I hope I make it back, but if I never do, wow, this was some great experience. And, and I think the NHC is that. I'm glad that you feel that way anyway. And that's, that's, the, that's the, the general um, mood we try to generate out there. And, but it's not all us. I mean, the players are the ones who, who make it that way. And I've had people, I've had past champions and others who have come close 
they say, don't get me wrong, the money would be great, but I, as much as anything, I just want to be one of the NHC champions. I want to have my name on that short list. Um, and I think there's a lot of pride and prestige involved in, in, in the, uh, the player's passion as well as just the monetary aspects of it. Job well done. One of the many, many uh, good things the NTRA is, uh, is a part of, and I'm still hooked uh, like, like a crazy person when time allows. Uh, and you even have the NHC online contest, so if you're not able to make it out to a track or OTB, you can play online. Yeah, that's, uh, y- you know what, Ed, we could probably, ha- we could fill 500 spots if we wanted to for the tournament. That's how how eagerly anticipated these qualifiers are. But we did feel that, you know, the, the people who can afford to travel coast to coast to qualify shouldn't be at that great an advantage. And the, 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 the littler person who maybe can just afford to go to two or three live tournaments, they should have every opportunity to qualify as well. And these online tournaments, while the prize money uh, specific to those tournaments aren't there, um, just they save you a heck of a lot of money and time in, in terms of travel, and those things have been as popular as can be. And, uh, you know, the toughest thing about those tournaments is making sure you register and get signed up for them before they sell out because um, they're very popular and, and just because, they, you know, they're easy. You know, when, when you talked about that, I, I see from the desk of Joan Lawrence and yourself, uh, as a matter of fact, it was David Battersby Tops Record Field and NHC Tour Online Handicapping Tournament. First off, I have to say kudos, and I love the material that comes from Joan and or yourself and or the collection of both. It is super because I pull from that so much, and it is yeah, it's it's almost like a newspaper that you've been dying just to get into because I love it and, and especially the uh, the historical aspect of it of of what happened on uh, uh, you know August second in 1969. I I love to go back and just you know just go through that. But I, once again, kudos to for information and dissemination of uh, you know all the all the exciting stuff that just makes uh, racing. You can hear it in my voice that I started off as a fan, and I always will be a fan, and I'm just lucky enough to work in the racing industry, and it's kind of a, you know, it's, I guess kind of a busman's holiday. Every time I get to walk in, my key hits the door. There's there's never a frown on my face. I'm, I'm always excited about it. Eric, you, you hold a prestigious position in racing, and uh, do you get any downtime to enjoy a day at the races? Um, not as much as I would like, and I, 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 I'm like you are, Ed. I... I, I feel so blessed to be in the sport i always think it's a a waste when i run into people here or there who are for whom it's more just a regular job and because there are so many people like us who are passionate and would kill to work in the sport that i hate seeing somebody you know who might as well be working in a bank or something like that but um you know, I joke with friends. I spent, I, used, I love going to Saratoga, and I used to spend a week or two every year. Before, back when I, before I got into racing in '99, I worked at Reader's Digest for a long time, and I used to take vacation and go up there. And now I only get up there about two, three days. Not that that's a bad thing. I get, you know, I get to go to other cool tracks, but um, there are days I wish I could just, you know throw on a ball cap, hide in the grandstand and with a <laughs> racing form and just 
play and but but that's fine you know that that's a small price to pay for for you know getting paid to do something that you really like and you're leaving quite a mark on the sport and you know as i said before i mean from everything from the contest to the dissemination of uh, so much incredible I mean, it's incredible information. Every time I read it, I'm like a little kid. And when you harken back to those days of uh, digging into the newspaper, that's the way I feel about it. Okay, I have to ask you the dollar question here. You've got 200 bucks in your pocket, and you have the day off work, no responsibilities. Where would you go, any track out there, and go and play the day at the races? Uh, Saratoga comes quickest to mind just for the, the combination of atmosphere, quality racing, um, and all that goes with it. Uh, there are some other tracks I really, I mean, you know, we all have our favorites. Canterbury Park in Minnesota is one of the most fun tracks you'll ever go to. Um, some, it's part daytime, part nighttime, depending on day of the week. It's just run unlike almost any other track you've been to. Music in between races, they the track announcer Paul Allen is excellent and goofs around in the booth in a in a in a fun way. Um, just a real fun track. Um, the racing maybe isn't what it is in Kentucky or New York or California, but a fun a fun way to spend an afternoon or an evening. But if you're asking me where do I if I've got one day off and where do I want to spend it, it's it's Saratoga. <laughs> the Spawn, how could you go wrong? Canterbury, uh, I've never had the pleasure of uh, making my way there. It's on my bucket list. Uh, uh, Randy Sampson, uh, incredible job. Uh, Jeff Madej, I believe, is still uh, still keeping his hand in the game up there. I remember when he was just a, a young fella, and he was coming down to Turfway Park, and they were just getting off the ground and you know, with uh, a lot of their programs and uh, really energetic folks. And uh, Canterbury is always a great time. Our, our good friend uh, Pete Aiello, who is our track announcer, the voice of River Downs, he calls it his Breeders' Cup for the claiming crown. And, uh, you know, I, I kind of chuckle, but there were some quality races. It was a lot of fun to watch. Yeah, um, I was there, as a matter of fact, at the claiming crown. And you're right, Jeff does a great job. It's one of the most player-friendly tracks around, too, and Jeff's the player development director, among many other hats that he wears. But um, the claiming, shoot, in 2009, you saw uh, a Breeders' Cup winner come out of the claiming crown in furthest land, who could do no better than third in the claiming crown jewel, but he got first in the Breeders' Cup dirt mile. And uh, this year, the racing was very competitive also, and um, it's called the claiming crown, but really the races are populated by horses that have kind of graduated from the claiming ranks and have gone on to bigger and better things. And that, that was, that, that's been the case. It's not easy to win there, that's for sure. I know our man Pete Aiello, quite the handicapper, and uh, calls a great race at River Downs. You know, he loves it, and uh, we, we, I, I would uh, give him a call down the hall, and, you know, who do you like, Pete? What do you, what do you see? What do you know? And, and uh, you know, kind of going back and forth because it was a great day. Eric, one final question, if I may. Racing's facing some very tough days, and, and we all know that. Once upon a time, we were the only game in town, and, and we were the kings of the court. And in your opinion, do you think it's going to get much worse before it gets a whole lot better? I don't think it's going to get much worse. And the first part of your question is absolutely on the mark. When people want to say, you know, why is the industry struggling? First of all, every gaming industry is struggling right now. It's, it, it ain't just us. Um, but 
in the mid-70s, mid-80s, even stretching into the 90s in some areas, racing was largely the only game in town. Now there's so much competition for the wagering dollar, uh, be it in, uh, the, with the proliferation of casinos or even state lotteries where you can go to your local 7-Eleven and, and be in action. That's, that's taken away the more casual gambler from the sport. Um, but on the other side of the coin, you know, I always get a kick out of Kentucky Oaks Day, Ed. Name another sport that can draw 100,000 people on a Friday <laughs> afternoon. Uh, you know, it's uh, the, the Triple Crown and even the Breeders' Cup shows us year after year. Also, the, the boutique meets that we have right now, Saratoga and Del Mar, just how strong the interest still is for thoroughbred racing. It's fun to bet on, yes, but there's also a, a, a tradition and an excitement in watching the, the horse and rider and the beautiful animals race that, that cuts across so many lines of appeal. That, and I think that's always going to be there. Um, yes, it's gonna, there's always going to be business challenges, and maybe some tracks need to cut back a little and you know step back before they can step forward. But I'm long term, I'm bullish on the sport for sure. Well, the pageantry, the enthusiasm, uh, the excitement—I don't think there's anything that you could uh, that you can even, in my opinion, draw near to uh, thoroughbred racing. It's it's one of a kind, uh, needless to say. And, and, and you know, and one I, other thing, Ed, not to interrupt. You know, like another thing. Oh, gee, our fans are so old. Gosh, eventually the last fan's going to die, and then we're going to have to close up shop. Well, you know what? I, I mean, I heard the same stuff when I was at Reader's Digest, which was many people consider like an old person's magazine. And it sounds good when somebody says that. However, when you think about horse racing, it's a sport that lends itself to people with discretionary time and discretionary money. Now, Yes, you know, people like you and me made the discretionary time and money for it. But for a whole lot of people, it's a sport that you kind of fall into once you have a little bit more time or you have a few extra bucks. And I think it's always going to be that way. And there's nothing wrong with that or, or nothing to apologize over because of that. And I think the sooner we realize that and embrace it, um, the more rational we can approach things. Agreed a thousand percent. It's a demo that I don't think that we recognize enough. We do dollar beers and bands, and I think that's all fantastic for the future, but I don't think that we recognize enough that built-in demo that's actually allowed us to keep the lights on for so many years, and, and, uh, and I'm very pleased to see them out there, and each and every day you'll see them coming in with their daily racing forms, usually the first ones through the gates or whatever handicapping material they bring with them. They're first ones through the gates, and, uh, and they're always pleased and proud to be there. Eric, on behalf of Winning Ponies, we'd like to thank you for your time and wish you and yours the best on and off the track. Uh, it's been a pleasure chatting with you, and I'm glad our good friend John Engelhardt put us together and for you to join us. And uh, once again, we'll see you in the winner's circle soon, and keep up the great job. I really enjoyed it, Ed. Thank you for having me on your show. Thank you, Eric. Have a great evening. You Eric too. Wang from the NTRA, and uh, man with uh, many hats in the NTRA. Oh, big big vehicle there and i hope you caught part of that because that was very interesting all right it is time to head to a break when we return we got news final furlong handicapping and our man pistol pete is on hold here on winning ponies
The fans now have a voice to speak their mind. No holds barred. They need a bitch's ass and then move on. I just just think that the coach made a mistake. All crazy. (laughs) NFL, MLB, NBA, NHL. Speak up. Speak up. Or forever hold your mouth. We ain't playing around here. Voice America Sports. What? Can't make it to the track? You can still get all the action with winningponies.com, the home of Horstradamus, handicapper extraordinaire with the most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks. Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry, let winningponies.com make some money for you. The latest business information is made simple with the Voice America Business Network. The professionals in the business world bring you live talk radio shows featuring an array of business topics, strategies for building wealth, sales and marketing, stock trading, investing, and business technology. Voice America business hosts are professionals in their fields and bring to the airwaves weekly business discussions that offer up-to-date information, advice, and education. The Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business talk. Spin It with Chuck Foreman has a spin on so much that's going on. It will be hard to fit it all into the promo. We'll talk about the weekend games, what to look forward to, hot topics in the news. Spin It Old School, which gives a back-in-the-day approach from Chuck. A no-spin zone where Chuck gives an unbiased opinion and lets you do the same. Chuck will be taking us around town and around the world with news, happenings, and more. It's football, news, and happenings. Tune in for Spin It with Chuck Foreman. Tuesdays at 2 p.m. Eastern, 11 a.m. Pacific, on the Voice America Sports Channel. The opening kickoff is a beauty. It's a fly ball deep right field. That goes O'Neal. He's at the shot. Got it. With 2.8 seconds left to left. I don't care where they put him. This one is out of here. From high school to the pros, we, we cover everything. Let your voice be heard. Voice America Sports. You're tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, Ed Meyer. Got a tip for us? Need a tip from us? If you want to talk with Ed or his guests, the phone lines are now open toll-free at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or you can send an email to ed at winningponies.com. Now back to Winning Ponies with Ed Meyer. Welcome back once again to Winning Ponies. I'm Ed Meyer, and thank you for taking your time your time to tune in because without you there be no us and we are truly appreciative of you taking your time to be with us hope you caught eric wing from the ntra very enthusiastic you could feel that in his in his whole speech the way his cadence and everything and does one hell of a job speaking of a man does a hell of a job and is enthusiastic mr pistol pete iola pistol are you there i'm here Pete, I'm going to fly through real quick who I like for some races this week, and then we're going to turn it over to the Golden Voice, the Round Mound of Sound, and a guy I call my friend Pete Ilo. So I'm going to kick it off real quick here. Saratoga on Saturday, race nine, the grade one Diana. I love forever together. Three times she is going in the 72nd renewal. That means three times she's going to try to take down the race in this 500,000 event. Get all you want forever together. 
The 10th race is a grade two Jim Dandy, $500,000. I love the three-to-one shot fly down. Jose Lescano and Nick Zito, they're 46% in the money together. Five for six lifetime there. You got a little warm, a Fleet Express, Hakenite, and Miner's Reserve. Scares me not. Fly down in the 47th edition of the Jim Dandy. Also on the 31st, Mama's Park, the 10th race, five and a half on the turf, the $100,000 Mongo Queen. Plenty of speed. Doesn't deter me. I like the nine. Rose Catherine, two to one. The soft hands of Chris DiCarlo going to be guiding around very gently for Todd the Squad Pletcher there because he has more horses than the law allows, except for Steve Asmussen, that is. Second off, and they win 22%. Chris DiCarlo to the winner circle on Saturday. Del Mar in the eighth race on Saturday, the mile and 16th grade to San Diego. And I love uh, Jojo Talamo's uh, mountain here for Jeff Mullins. And, and you know, I, I, don't, I don't think you can say enough good stuff about Joe Talamo. Thistle Downs on Saturday, the Ohio Derby race 13, go, scheduled to go at 5.35 p.m. Eastern time, mile 16th on the grade three, $100,000 level here. I like the nine worldly, Luis Gonzalez and Paul McGee. Paul's in excellent condition, great to horsemen, and I think second off the turf and exiting a grade three northern dancer is all you need for me for worldly in the Ohio Derby at Thistle. Big day on Sunday, and we have Mammoth Park, uh, race 7, the mile and the 16th turf, the Jersey Derby. I like the one, two-notch road, very speedy here in race number 8, a six-furlong event, the $150,000 regret. And I like the deuce, and that is first passage, Elvis Trujillo. He has not left the building because he's riding for Marty Wolfson. Also, a Monmouth race number nine, a mile and an eighth on the turf. I like the seven, Cherokee Queen. The tenth race takes me to the eight, Roaring Lion. The race number 12 is the Izod Haskell. And it's broadcast on ABC from 5 to 6. And one of the best races card. I love the one looking at Lucky Martin Garcia, Bob Baffert. My trifecta is going to be looking at Lucky, Trap Shot, and Icebox for the big picks here. And then on Saratoga on Sunday, the ninth race, the Ruffian Invitational. I like the one Malibu Prayer. And also we have race seven, the four-star Dave. I like the one Get Story in the eighth race, the Curlin. I like the one Winslow Homer. Pete, those are my quick selections here. Do you like anything for the upcoming weekend? I'm going to have to talk faster than the auctioneer at the end of a commercial, but I like the uh, Ohio Derby you touched on. Did you like the Nine North Wardley? I think it will be just sitting off of my selection of five, my kind of candy. First time two turns for Bobby Barnett. The horses come to hand nicely since moving to his barn. I think he goes gate to wire. Pleasant Prince, a horse that should take a lot of money on respect, and I do respect that horse, but I'll tell you that horse underneath. I think it's my kind of candy gate to wire at the Big T on Saturday. And also on the Saturday afternoon at the Sonoma County Fair in Santa Rosa, California, uh, they have the Arabian Championship, $7,000 Arabian distaff. I like the one Tiki Sprite at 8-1 to one on the morning line to end up somewhere on the ticket. My top selection is the five, Anverlich. Anverlich, a very hard-knocking nine-year-old mare. She's coming off a good second-place performance, and she loves the Santa Rosa Oval. I'll go for her with Jimmy Wooten riding. That's race two at Santa Rosa on Saturday. So, Pete, I like a little speed handicap, and I took a little more than you did. And as I said before, we need to keep yours in pen and mine in pencil. Pete, overall, do you see it being a uh, chalky weekend at the river? At the river, as I said to you, I think that uh, every horse that's morning line favorite tomorrow is a justifiable morning line favorite. And uh, as you say, bet all you want on some of those. Water's got a hot shot uh, caliber of horses from California. 
just when you thought he was out of them, he fires with another round of bullets, and I think he's going to hit the target this weekend in Cincinnati. So, and the Ohio Derby, it sounds like we both kind of agree on on uh, Paul McGee's runner worldly. Well, I like the five horse in there of Barnett's. I agree that the, the race is very much a tactical disadvantage for Pleasant Prince. I think I'm out in front. You're for tracking me, and Pleasant Prince is running to both of us. Okay, so you're betting Santa Rosa now. You're a fair circuit man. You're a mule man, and you're still on Santa Rosa? Indeed. They opened their meet yesterday. Uh, they had their second day of racing here this, uh, this afternoon. And Mule News, Bar JF Red Ticket, nods out her heart rival, Sarah Nelson, with the big lady, the Bar JF Hot Ticket, electing to skip the contest. She'll wait for a stake next weekend. Sounds good to me, Pete. Pete, sorry to rush. I do apologize. Next week we'll have, if you'll be so kind, we'll go a little longer, and uh, we'll even skip my jazz, and we'll stick more to yours because I like your action all the way around. Pete, it's always a pleasure. The pleasure's all mine. You guys have a great evening. Thank you, sir. Time flies when you're talking thoroughbred racing. You heard Pistol Pete and I getting some speed handicapping in, and this week is no different. Winning Ponies would like to thank special guest Eric Wing of the NTRA and Pistol Pete Ayalo for jumping in, and especially you for tuning in. So until we meet again next week, may your winners be many and your photos be few. Good luck and good night, everyone. Thanks for listening to Winning Ponies with Ed Meyer. We know the information from today's show will help you at the next post. Keep listening for more next Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 Pacific, on the Voice America Sports Network. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Sports Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericasports.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.